everyone. Welcome to Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm so glad you're here to join us and I have a question for you. Have you ever finished this amazing workout or had this amazing experience and thought, yes, I needed that? Well, I have. And I have the ultimate transformation specialist who actually developed a whole entire podcast called I Needed That. And his name is Chris Powell. And you probably know him as the transformation specialist from the ABC hit documentary series of extreme weight loss. So it is my honor. I'm Angie Miller, the host, and it is my honor to bring Chris Powell onto our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast today. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Angie. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, I needed that. I love <laughs> that podcast. I was I was very smitten with that title. So, you know, you're best known as transformation specialist on ABC's Extreme Weight Loss. And I just, I have to know, you've probably been asked this a million times, but how did that opportunity come your way? All right, I'll, I'll try to keep this as short and sweet as possible, but there is there is a, a quite a backstory behind it. Um, you know, right after graduating from Arizona State with a degree in exercise science, um, I went and I got my first training certification, certified personal training certification through NASM. Thank you very much. And um, I ended up landing a gig. I was, I was looking for an opportunity to reach a lot more people. And so I landed a gig on the local news station here, which is Good Morning Arizona, KTVK, Channel 3. So I started doing a lot of segments, but, you know, coming fresh out of exercise science and of course, getting my, my certification, I was talking about uh, super compensation and glycogen depletion and running a faster 40 and all this stuff. And uh, one of the producers pulled me aside. She said, look, um, this is just after, after landing a couple, you know, after doing a few segments, she said, you're really entertaining to watch, but no one knows what you're talking about because, because you clearly love what you do, but it's just, it's on another level. And keep in mind, most of our viewers, they just want to lose some weight. And so I started gearing my, my segments more toward weight loss and something really unique started happening. Um, I started getting letters and this is back in 2002, 2003. And I started receiving letters from people who were watching all around this. It was a statewide broadcast, but what was unique about the letters is that um, it was, I, they would start off with, Hey, Chris, I need your help. I'm 450 pounds. Hey, Chris, I'm 510 pounds. And I only, you know, I only shop at night so that people don't, they, they don't ridicule me. And, um, you know, or Hey, Chris, I'm, I'm over 600 pounds. And I started getting a lot of emails from people asking for help that were significantly overweight. We're talking, you know, in the class three, what now would be called class three, class four obesity category. Um, you know, back then it'd be morbidly obese. And then, and so that, that for, for me, I was thinking, oh my gosh, there's, there are so many different, so many people out here that are right here in Arizona that are suffering, that are struggling, but they pride themselves on being invisible. And, and I couldn't help it. Like my heart would just go out to these people. And there was one, there was one email in particular that really got my attention. It was a gentleman who was 630 pounds. I was 24 by this, at this point, he was 25. And he said, I'm 25 years old. The doctor just left my house. I've been living in my basement for two years. And he said, I'm not going to live to see 30. And I, I want so much more for my life. This is not the way I thought my life would be. I couldn't stop thinking about it. So one day I got in my car and I actually, I drove out to his house and, um, you know, I asked him where he lived and we just had a little back and forth email conversation. I showed up at his house and he was 
we just hit it off within 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I was like, this guy is just, I mean, we were laughing. We were having so much fun. And I knew he wanted to change. He just didn't know how. And I said, hey, brother, look, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'll see you on Tuesday. And I showed up every other day for a couple of years. He ended up losing 400 pounds oh, wow. and in, in two years and through the process, that's, that's what really sparked my passion for helping people through the journey of transformation. It was my friend, David. And through that process, we became best friends. And, um, and then, so then we, we went through our own little crazy journey in life. And I, I went through some really big struggles after that. Um, you know, we went through a lot and I actually shared some of his transformation on, on channel three. Um, I then ended up going through some really difficult times and his family ended up helping me out. And before you know it, we were, he ended up moving in with me when I got back on my feet and then he posted his before and afters on a little social media site called MySpace. I'm about to date myself here. I don't know if you remember MySpace. You're way too young for that. But, um, so sure enough, it went viral. And then before we, before we knew it, we were on the Today Show and then 2020 and then Oprah. And I mean, his story, it went national and a company ended up flying out from the UK and, and shot a documentary on David's transformation and our friendship. And um, it was then that a, a company production company in Los Angeles reached out and they said, hey, we would just, this is when The Biggest Loser had, had just been airing for about a year or so. And it was huge. It was like one of the biggest shows on TV. And they said, We're, we'd love to talk to you about the creation of another show for a celebrity trainer. So they actually hired me as a consultant on the development of a show. So I jumped in my car. I drove out to LA a few times, sat there in front of a whiteboard, and we created the concept of what, would, what it would really look like to help someone through the journey of transformation. And I told him, I was like, we can't do this in three months. And I said, if, if anything, we, we need a full year to do this transformation. And we came up with the flagpole moments and, and everything. And then after that, I didn't hear anything from them for probably three or four months. Just, and I went back to my everyday life and David and I were actually living together at the time. And then randomly out of the blue, I get a phone call from the CEO of the production company. He goes, dude, we sold your show. And I, just thinking I was a consultant because I was helping the de develop the show for a celebrity trainer to be the face of the show. And I was like, congratulations. That's awesome. You know, go team, high five. And then it was like silent on the other line. He goes, no, dude, I don't think you, you get it. We sold your show. And we sold your show, not just to any, you know, cable network. We sold it to ABC. And I was like, you know, I, I heard you. Congratulations. Like, that's awesome. Go team. I was, you know, happy to help. And I said, so just out of curiosity, who's the trainer? And, <laughs> and, and he goes, you are. And that's, then I went silent because <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, I said, wait, what does this mean? He goes, well, it means pack your bags. You're leaving in five weeks. Oh, wow. And that was it. I packed my bags. I flew to Oklahoma, surprised my very first person, and we were off to the races. And it was the crazy five years of helping over 76 people, actually 70, yeah, 76 through the journey of transformation over a one-year journey of transformation. It was, it was amazing. You know what really strikes me about this is that you, um, when you went and you, you went to this gentleman's house, you saw him as a human. 
You heard his story and you brought the humanity into the experience. And I often think that that's what's missing from personal training is we miss the humanity. We miss the fact that there's a human inside of there with real feelings and emotions. And there's a life story that has impacted them and gotten them to where they are. And I think there needs to be a deep appreciation and understanding of that story before we can truly transform someone's experience internally and externally. So I love that I heard you say that you became friends with him. And then you, you actually led me to my next question. You walked me right there. Like you walked into the water because you've talked about openly about difficult experience, going through a difficult experience, going through a divorce, going through a darkness and having some concerns with your own mental well-being. And how opening up to that and sharing that story has really helped other people to share their story. And I guess my my question to you would be, um, are you glad that you opened up about that struggle, about your struggle with mental health and mental wellness? Oh, oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, so here's the thing. Like I and you brought up something really important also. Um First of all, I'm a perpetual student. I, I'll never stop learning. I don't know it all by any stretch of the imagination. And the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. In fact, when I first started working with David, I went into the whole concept thinking, oh, I'm going to create an incredible nutrition plan for him and, and you know, make all kinds of nu nutrition suggestions and we can do this for him. And then, oh, I can guide him through with a just beautiful progressive overload and he's going to get all the results he needs. And even as I was working with him, I didn't fully understand the emotional and the mental side of the transformation and the role that I played in that. It, that didn't become clear to me until probably over a year into our journey, but we became friends early on and, and I helped, I helped fill that void in his life. And I, I was a confident for him to, to trust and rely on. And he knew that I genuinely, genuinely cared because we were friends. We were friends. And you that word trust. People have to be able to trust and you have to see them and feel them and experience their humanity before they're truly going to trust you. Trust is a big part of any relationship, whether it's a part of an intimate relationship or a part of a one on one personal training relationship. But to me, you build trust with David. And obviously it was a mutual trust because then you were able to lean on David when you were going through a difficult experience. Absolutely. What? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> you got the mic. Okay. Okay. That's deal. Um, yeah. And, and what a lot of people don't realize is that um, it was actually about after I helped David, I ended up herniating a, a disc in my spine and uh, my L5S1 and I was put on painkillers and it turned into a, a severe addiction to painkillers. And I went into a horrible downward spiral and I lost everything. And I was li actually living out of my car and David and his family actually opened up their doors to me. And I, they let me sleep on their couch while I got back on my feet and recovered. So, you know, a lot of people, they, they see what I did to help David transform his life. He helped me just as much or more than I ever helped him. And so, uh, but again, it, it, it came down to the relationship and and learning just the, the, the importance of the mental and emotional aspects of transformation. You can't have a conversation about weight loss without talking, you know, and, and about physical health without talking about mental health 
and social health. And, and again, going through my continued journey through life, you know, yeah, I've lost everything. Yeah. I was living out of my car for a while. And then I got to experience this incredible high with, you know, with this opportunity with the show and helping people transform their lives after I'd been through my own hardship. And then of course, going through my divorce and then going through depression, being diagnosed with an anxiety disorder and everything. I, I found myself in difficult times again, and it was actually seeking help and seeing six therapists in five years and, and going through that whole side of the journey. It opened up my eyes that much more to the mental health aspect of transformation. And so again, we just, we can't have that conversation about physical health without talking about mental health and social health. And to this day, I continue to learn and experience more and more the impact of that. And that's why I'm, I'm just so passionate about it. And this is why me opening up about my struggles with mental health, I've realized also, and, and because I was, I've, since I've done that, I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me and they're like, oh my gosh, me too. Me too. Every time I've been vulnerable about my opioid addiction, about my mental health issues, about my anxiety disorder, all these things, the, the, the response and the support's overwhelming. And it allows me to connect so much deeper with so many other people. And also for me personally, it helps me realize that I'm okay and I'm lovable regardless of these struggles that I have and, and the struggles I've been through and the struggles that I might be going through. And again, th there's a social health connection there because it's like the more I can connect with other people and I can share my own struggles, then we can help each other through this. I, no man is an island and we can't do this alone. And I'm no exception there. I need help just, just as much as we all do. Right. Well, and you know what really struck me too is the whole, you know, the, you said that we're, we all need help. We can't do it alone. And you had mentioned something in there and I thought, that's why you said I'm bigger than one of my struggles. And I thought that's why I don't really like, I don't love diagnosis. And as a therapist, I work in a, in a short-term therapy model. So we don't have to diagnose because we don't, we don't use insurance, which to me is beautiful because then I feel like we all quote need a diagnosis, but, but that doesn't have to define us. We can have an anxiety disorder and still be highly functioning in life, but we have to do it with help and support. I also love that you said that you went through what, I think you said five therapists in six years. And, and I, I want to say that because I think that that's important too, because just like you don't always find the right trainer right away, you don't always find the right therapist. And sometimes in our journeys, we have to, we have to decide who's the right fit for us. It's almost like you kind of date your therapist in a way. It, it's a different relationship, but there has to be synergy and you have to feel like they hear you and see you. Right. Absolutely. 100%. And I got something, I got some sort of tool from all of the therapists that I saw. There is something that I learned or gleaned or some sort of tactic that, that I, that worked, but it wasn't until, it wasn't until my final therapist that I really, that I felt a fit and it, and she worked really well for me. And, and again, but you just don't know what you don't know. And, and that 100% we had, I had to date all these different, you know, quote unquote, date these different therapists to figure out which one really resonated with me and where the one that, that really helped number one, call me out on my BS <laughs> and also, but, but could do it in such a tactful manner that, and would tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. 
but then it would also help give me the tools and guide me through it. So I really, and I stayed with her for a good couple of years and she's on my, my speed dial right now. And, and she's wonderful. And she's actually, she's in Los Angeles. I'm in Arizona, but at the same time, I've, I can do just a, a telemed conference with her, you know, just pick up or do a virtual conference. And I've even flown out to her a handful of times. It's whatever works best for me. And she works best. She's a great connection. And, um, and she's helped me significantly. Well, and you know, I see, I, I didn't know you before, but even just feeling your energy, feeling your positivity, I do think that that compassion is built through our own experiences. And Chris, I do want to reintroduce you. My name is Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm talking to Chris Powell. He's best known as a transformation specialist on extreme weight loss. But we're also talking about the connection between mental health and physical well-being. And I think that's what intrigued me most about you is that you have been open about your story. And what's interesting is even for me, I tend to be, I've opened up about my stories, if you will, but I tend to be the person who likes other people to open up and not as comfortable in the space of, <laughs> of being super vulnerable. But um, I, I like to just define myself as ha having a high functioning anxiety disorder. So there you go. But um <laughs> But, you know, one of the things I've, I've kind of stalked your uh, your podcasts and and I wanted to see kind of get a, a real experience of who you are. And I know that one of the podcasts that I listened to, and by the way, I, I loved when you said you were nervous about going on Kelly Clarkson's show, because I was like, I felt nervous having you on my show. So <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's what's so funny? Five minutes before I got on here, I had I sat back. And I, I took myself through my breathing exercises because I feel that anxiety as well. Yeah. We're all in this together. <laughs> we're all these humans just trying to navigate through life, you know, and if we're lucky, we got a hundred years or so to do this as best we can, but I feel it too. And, and sure enough, I watched the clock count down and I was like, okay, here we go. Click the link. So I'm yeah. right there with you, my friend. My mind says, don't say anything stupid. Don't say anything stupid. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know, it's funny. I've been doing this. I mean, I, I spent, I've, I've been on camera. I mean, from the morning news to the national news to international since 2002. Right. And every single time when that red light goes on the camera, man, my, my, also my breathing gets short and shallow. My, I feel my heart rate go up and it's just, it, and it's, you're right. It's, it's, it's that don't say something stupid. you got to look good in front of everyone. And I also realized that's just my ego talking because yes. you know, it's something else I really learned. That's so powerful. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the 12 step programmer, but it's like rule 62. They say, don't take yourself so damn seriously. Yes. And, and my former father-in-law, he was, he was a recovering addict and he told me that before I landed my gig with on, on ABC and because he was actually coaching me through why I always get nervous before I do the morning news. And when he told me that, and I realized it's okay to be silly and it's okay to be funny and it's okay to just be uh, like unapologetically you, the more I was open about that stuff, again, that's where the connection is. If I got on there and I delivered every line perfectly and I didn't say anything stupid, that's boring. I'm sorry, but it is. And that's not fun to watch and there's no connection there. But if I can jump on here and I can tell you about all the things that are wrong with me and I can be kind of stupid and funny in the same, like in, in this, in the same air, it's like, okay, man, people can connect with that because it's real, you know? 
well, we're going to have to definitely, you know, we talked about me being on your podcast. You're going to need to lengthen that to a couple of hours because if we're going to deep dive into all of what's wrong with me, we're going to need a little bit of time. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> we might have to do like a two part or a series. Yeah, right. Um, you said in one of your podcasts, I think it was the one when you were talking to the TV news anchor, I can't remember what her name is. And you guys were talking about like why and like people asking, why does this have to happen to me? Why do I have to go through this? Why did I allow myself to get to X weight or why am I not able to hold my marriage together? And I always say to my clients that I think the why is a slippery slope and it may not be the best question to ask. It might, I think the best question to ask is, yes, that has a place and I understand the regret and the remorse and whatever it might be, but what about what now? So like, where do I have positive control? And I think you said something and it was like one of my favorite lines, or maybe it was the news anchor who was on. And one of you said, maybe the answer to the reason why is so you can help someone else. And I, I that really stood, that stood out to me because I think about Viktor Frankl and I don't know if you've ever read Man's Search for Meaning, but that's a, an amazing book. And that's exactly what he's talking about is, how to make, how to give your pain purpose, mm -hmm. how to transform that pain into a, a tool of self-compassion that helps you meet somebody else in their journey of pain. What yes. are your thoughts on that? 100%. I agree with that. Um, here's the thing. When you're in some of those really difficult times and ha having been there, it's, I've, it's sometimes very difficult to forward think and think I'm going through this so I could help someone else. Now, if you have the wherewithal and you have the, the awareness to do that, it is, it brings so much peace to sometimes the pain that you're in. But again, having, having been there in, in dark times, several times in my life, um, I've gone through periods where where I, I couldn't stop that program that running that why, why is this happening to me? I'm, I don't deserve this. And again, it is, it is very much having been there myself. It's very much a victim mentality. And by the way, when I'm constantly running that program saying, why, why, why me, why me, why me? Nothing got better. It was only until I started taking action toward, okay, well, maybe it's, well, first of all, my, the very first time I was in a very dark place asking myself, why me? The realization that I had was no one's going to save you because I was waiting for someone to save me. I was waiting for, for something to happen, someone to come by and, and pick me up. And it, the, the realization was that if it's not, you know, and I was doing all these different, I, I ran away to Los Angeles and I realized it wasn't where I was. It was who I was. It was who I was being and I, that I had to save myself. And so I got, I got back in the arena and that's when life changed for me for the better. And then the second time when I was asking myself, when I was going through my, my depression and the mental health battle, it was why me, why me, why me? And then it was actually the whole concept of helping other people through. That's when I started. It really helped the healing process for me as far as the mental aspect of my journey. And so, um, but it's, I'll be the first to admit when you're in it, it's hard. It's hard to take a step back and say, maybe I'm going through this so I can share my journey. So like, but let me tell you also straight up is that 
it is, is without a, sh a shadow of a doubt, the most powerful thing I've done. And I would probably give my like, service toward others and sharing my journey, probably some of the most credit when it comes to helping me heal. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that what occurred to me is to, to, you know, to kind of go back to what you said where, yeah, when you're right in the middle of it, you do feel, you know, you can call it victim mentality, but at the end of the day, your mind does say why it just does. And that's where we're at. And I think we have to start to get through the weeds a little bit to your point to where we can actually see that we can help other people with that. But I think like, even for me, when, when, you know, uh, addiction runs heavy in my family, depression runs heavy in the women in my family. And I think for me, even when I start to feel a little darkness set in and I feel myself fighting off those, those genetics and that proclivity toward, you know, maybe some, some depression that I can still get up and I can function, but I notice that I want to insulate. I want to come in, even though I know that's probably the last thing I should, I could be doing. I don't like the word should, but I could be doing. And so it makes a lot of sense to me, you saying to everyone, hey, look, we might know what we know, but it doesn't mean it's going to click at the time. But I do think that sharing stories is powerful. And I think a lot of times I get caught up in the mentality of, well, you need to be fixed before you can share. Right. <laughs> you know, you have yeah. to show complete put togetherness. <laughs> Your puzzle right. has all the way put together. And I don't think that's true. I think we can still have a few missing pieces. <laughs> That's true vulnerability. And a lot of people wait till they're fixed, till they're financially successful, till they've gone through the transformation to say, oh, I was struggling way back when. It's real vulnerable. It's like true vulnerability when you're like, no, guys, I'm struggling now. And but and I'm I'm working through it. It's a really difficult thing to do. And I am guilty of like they're they're and in fact, I I'll before I even shared my mental health struggles, I wanted to wait until I, I got to the other end of it. And I must say, I did not share when I was in the darkest part of it for a couple of reasons. It was actually, it was, I couldn't have had even a conversation with you like this. Um, there, there was a certain amount of work that I needed to do and healing that I needed to do to be able to even put it into words and conceptualize. And, and I, had to, I had to look back and really kind of chew on the journey I had been through and where I was now, and then ultimately where I want to go. But I also know that this is going to be, a, this mental health thing, this is a lifelong journey. It's not like you don't do a workout and all of a sudden you're fit for the rest of your life. No, I've realized that this is something I have to train every single day, just like I spend my time in the gym. I need to work on my mental health on a regular basis. Right. And I'm, am I where I want to go? No, I'm not but I'm working toward there. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people think, Oh, I'll wait till I'm fixed. Yeah. yeah you know, fixed. Right. Your mental health journey, you're going to go through just like you go through all the other pieces of your journey in life. But, you know, also to your point, I think it is a good idea to not come be too transparent in the midst of true darkness, because at the end of the day, we're a very, um, it's very easy for people to give their opinion in front of a keyboard. And when you're in a very vulnerable place, you're not sure what you're going to invite in. And somebody could say something that could really tip the scales in a negative way. So I do think that you have to be in a pretty healthy place and have good support 
before you, um, as my friend Kelly says, bleed all over the page. Um, because <laughs> there's some, you've got to be careful what you invite in. Mm -hmm. um, so Chris, the Chris Powell, the transformation specialist, I know that the one thing that really moves you inside and out is to talk about your move 1 million. So we're going to move away from mental health because I know that if not, I'm afraid I'm going to start crying. <laughs> I start crying and I'm going to save that for your show. So move 1 million. Tell us about that. Well, as a transition into, into move 1 million, this really is, um, it, th this was the other key ingredient in my mental health journey. And this is how I realized I could help others. And so this was my, this is my service. And again, when, uh, going back to it, and again, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the, the darkness, but when you are in a really dark place, it is natural to want to protect yourself, withdraw and focus within. And it was the realization that it's actually, if I can turn and I can, I can project the energy outward toward helping others. Um, and it was the concept of it at first that that gave me hope toward finding more happiness, not happiness, finding more purpose and more meaning with more moments of happiness. That's, that's the way I'll put it. Um, it was the concept of that that I fell in love with. And then it was the application of it that brought it to life. And now I can speak wholeheartedly to the fact that service changed me. I mean, for the better to the 10th degree. Um, and so move 1 million is my service project and it, the whole, the, the concept of it, it actually came about just a couple months into the pandemic, into the, into quarantine when everyone's isolated and, um, and we just saw the numbers of uh, people who are sedentary, anxiety, depression, suicides. I mean, mental health issues through the roof. And it was, nobody knew what was going to happen. There was no end in sight. We knew that the, uh, the I mean, the, our kids were falling apart and so I'm out here in the East Valley of Arizona and there's these beautiful buttes out here where you can climb them and you can look down on the lights of the city. And I, I climbed them at night and um, I, I would do that for quite some time. Again, helping change my physical perspective to help me change my mental perspective. So it was part of my healing journey. But as I was going up there, I was thinking about everything that was happening in the world and all the suffering that was happening. And I was up there on top of the butte and... Um, I was looking down at all these lights in the Phoenix metro area and there's about like four and a half million lights out there. And I was just thinking about all the, all the suffering that's happening inside every single house. And I was thinking like, what could I do just to help these people? Like what tools do I have to serve them? And, and, and I was, I was racking my mind and everything and I came up with nothing. <laughs> so but the most interesting thing is that I asked the question up at the top of the hill and I literally, I was, I, I just kept thinking, what can I do to help? How can I serve these people? I ended up going down the hill and I turn on the TV and I'm flipping through the channels and I see something. It was like a documentary type thing on, on the country of Japan. And um, it was really interesting. And they actually were talking about this every morning um, at 6.30 in the morning, the people in Japan, they wake up and they go through this three and a half minutes of movement. And I was like, this is fascinating. And I was, then they started talking about the history of it. And I went, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. So here's the story behind it. In 1928, the emperor, Hirohito, on, upon his coronation ceremony, he mandated 
three and a half minutes of movement across the entire country of Japan. He brought in the radio from the United States. He put it in every school, every corporation, every factory. And at 6.30 in the morning, the same music started every morning. And they had people lead the, 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 the citizens of Japan through three and a half minutes of movement. It was a total body warm up top to bottom. And he was trying to solve two big problems. Number one, his country was, it was divided. It wasn't completely united. And he was trying to bring his people together and he wanted them to live longer. So he thought I would, I'm going to incorporate uh, movement into their lives with the hope of them continuing to move, et cetera. Because the people of Japan were at the time in 1928 were only living between 40 and 45 years old. And sure enough, it worked. By 1955, Japan was the healthiest country in the world. And he united them so incredibly powerfully. But now if you fast forward to 2020, guess what? No one's moving anymore. Talk about we were divided. I mean, you turn on the news and there's riots everywhere. And I mean, it was, the, the, it was absolute chaos. And I just thought, we need this now more than ever. And you know, what's really cool is that in Japan, here we are like 94, 95 years later, 27 million people still do what's called Raggio Taiso, which is radio calisthenics every single day. And I thought, what if 27 million of us did it? We got 330 plus million just here in America alone. I mean, there's over a billion people that are suffering from weight-related issues, comorbidities around the world. What if we could just do a, a fraction of them and bring them something that's powerful and new and modern? So that was the creation of Move One Million. Okay. So instead of three and a half minutes. Oh, go ahead. No, well, okay, no, you're going to get there. But that, I was like, okay, but this is begging me to ask. I get the history and that was fascinating, actually. Like that was actually super fascinating. But I'm like, how does it translate? What is Move One Million? How do we get involved and help our clients get involved? Yes. So I, I, I thought, I, you know, I kind of fell back on this. I said, okay, my gosh, I've got a great platform. My degree is in exercise science, but with concentrations in biomechanics and physiology, like I can create an incredible new series of 13 movements, total body warm up from top to bottom. Instead of three and a half minutes, I shortened it to two and a half minutes. I put some new modern music on it. And then instead of radio, I've been building apps for the last five years. And so why not create an app platform, a web-based platform, open it up to everybody, and so that's, that's when I created Move One Million. And then the, sure enough, my city, the city of Mesa adopted it. And so now like Mesa Public Schools, all the children K through six in the schools, they remain standing after the Pledge of Allegiance and they all do Move One Million and they've been doing it for two years now. And it started growing and growing and growing. Now we've got over 93,000 people doing it every day across 76 countries. And so it's, it's, it's boomed. Check this out though. So I've got a lot of friends at NASM and I, it was so amazing reconnecting with them and they'd heard all about Move One Million. And so we are in the process right now of building a continued education course. So stay tuned. In fact, we're just a few weeks from having this thing complete, but it's a full Move One Million CEU course for NASM certified trainers, or if you have hold any NAS, NASM certification, but you can now do the CEU course here. Give us, give us a couple weeks to complete it, but you will have everything that you need. I'm going to go ahead and I guide you through exactly how to implement it in your community. And we'll give you the music. We'll give you the movements followed by two minutes of mindfulness. So we'll give you all the mindfulness courses and, and the scripts as well. And then um, there's a whole packet of information that you'll get as well so that you can, you can bring it to your own communities, your schools, your church groups, your training groups, your group classes. Um, and so I'm 
I'm I'm just I'm thrilled because this is this was it all started as a service project just to help people that were suffering and now it's it's really making a positive difference in the world and but it's not about me it's I the whole thing was created to give to you to give to all the trainers out there so that they can take it and they can move their own communities and so and it's just it's been a beautiful thing because now we're getting all this feedback these kids have been doing it for a couple of years now and it's so cool because I go to any school, like especially around here in Arizona, and I've, we've got 800, 900 kids, and they know the moves better than I do. But the, there was something that happened with Raggio that was so beautiful. And I don't even know if the emperor was aware that he di did this, but he gave his people the most powerful gift in the world. And he gave them the very first step to know how to move their bodies for the rest of their lives. And so because through music, Music anchors movement into our memory. And what, that's why when the, music is, when the music starts, everybody knows what to do and how to move. And that's the gift that we want to give to all of our communities, is that when the music starts, you're going to teach your people how to move to it. And for the rest of their lives, as soon as they hear it, they'll know what to do and they can move their body. Like I spent a couple of decades of my life helping people that didn't know how to take the first step. But we can give that first step to everybody now. And I can't think of anything more beautiful. I think that's an amazing program. And you know what else is that you're right. It is about kind of guiding them through it, but you're so spot on about the music. I really think that that's why group fitness has stood the test of time and why it's still such a powerful tool because people build community, but it's also the music. And so, um, it was, you know, my, my, start in fitness started in group fitness. So I always laugh when people are like, oh no, I use the music as background. I'm like, that's absolutely not even possible. <laughs> no, no, no. Dance for, but your your beat is different from the music. And so I think that that I, I love that that it involves music. It involves a set amount or way to move. And then it involves bringing in everyone as much as possible. And of course, I love that you are now aligning with NASM and you're offering a course for yeah. all of us to keep paying it forward and keep doing our service work to our communities. Absolutely. No, you know, and, and, and you're spot on. Music moves us. In fact, if I said, if I started playing the Macarena, what do you do? You know exactly what to do, right? Oh, I went the wrong way. I think I forgot. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. No, you're, you're right. It's, it's, it's this one right here. But the thing is like, you, you know that like you hear the music and immediately you start to move to it. Like you, yeah. you know exactly what to do. Same kind of thing. Music, it anchors movement into our memory. Yes. And so that's, that's the gift that I want to give to every NASM trainer out there so that they can pass it on to the world. Well, and I want to, I want to leave that nugget and I want to use that word anchor. Because we're going to close up our show and I, I, what I think about in terms of everything you've talked about today, I think about what anchors us all to the world at large and to one another is, again, going back to sharing our story, being willing to be vulnerable when you're ready, when it's the right time, after you've gotten some clarity from your experience and using that compassion and those experiences to do better and to show up better for the world around us. Because collectively, if we all do that, imagine what we're going to create, not just in movement, but in mindset. So Chris Powell, I really, really appreciate you coming on Strong Mind, Strong Body. I appreciate you sharing your story and your vulnerability. And I feel like I know you now. 
very well. I feel like I know you too. Well, and to be continued because now you got to come on my podcast. I needed that, but thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And I just, you know, having a partnership with NASM, you know, it's near and dear to my heart because this is the very first certification I ever got. I've had so many friends um, and, and acquaintances and colleagues that are all, we're all combined through NASM. And so um, it's just, it's a pleasure to serve all of the trainers here. And I'm really excited about the continued partnership and for a, a long and fruitful future together. Uh, I am too. I'm excited for it too. Well, thank you so much to all of our Strong Mind, Strong Body listeners. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Chris Powell. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.